No, the FCA are absolutely focused on innovation. Um, and I think that is a great thing about the UK economy and the fintech industry, that it is evolving at a tremendously fast pace. Hello, and welcome to The Finterview, where we talk to inspiring people in the world of fintech about their journey and impact in the industry. I'm Daniel Cronin, co-founder and COO of Integrated Finance, and I'll be your host today, where we'll get to talk to Lorraine Watt and Nick Hunt from Thistle Initiatives. This is part two of our full interview with them. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, you might want to check out as we delved into the FCA Dear CEO letter and the role of ESG in fintech. You can go on your favorite podcast app and start the previous episode to check it out. And with that, we're back to Lorraine and Nick to talk about protecting the consumer and the role fintechs are playing between the bank and consumer. I'll just double click on a, a phrase that you used in tandem with a, a word that the regulator often use, uses when it, when it types this. You said consumer. Now, consumer is broad enough that it can mean a number of different things. But when you tie that up with uh, the word retail, which the FCA regularly uses and puts to the front of um to the front of the messaging uh, on all of this stuff. Um, to me, what I'm hearing is if you're an individual, if you're a, a human that has a, an account with a financial service provider, you are a consumer, you are a retail user of that service. But if you are a business, it seems like it's a, a, a potentially a, a, a whole different ball game. And what I'd what I'd love to know from from your interactions with the regulator uh, and and helping bring businesses through the the application procedure, are there are there the same set of expectations for for corporate users of financial services, or is the FCA's attitude if you're a corporate user of a financial service, you're deemed to uh, be a more sophisticated user? Uh, and as a result, there's a, a higher degree of um, of trust in that in that corporate user's ability to understand whether they should or should not be using the financial service in the first place. Whereas a you know a, a, a vulnerable person who maybe English is their second language and, and they're elderly and not familiar with um, the technology of the day, that would be the vulnerable the, the archetypal vulnerable retail consumer i just wanted to if, if if you break those two entities the human and and the business into two how applicable is it to to the corporate entity okay i'll, I'll kick that kick that off it's a very broad question daniel uh, so i'll try and keep my answer as simple and straightforward as possible so yeah so you're absolutely right the fca's priorities focus is on retail customers um, so that's the mass market of people out there. Um, it has certain limitations. So, you know, there are certain people who it defines as sophisticated investors, high net worth investors, um, also professionals as well. But essentially, its its priority is to focus on, you know, the average Joe in the street. The average Joe in the street, in terms of their financial awareness, 
um, has a relatively low level of understanding. And that's to be understood because for many, many years, there hasn't been that investment in uh, consumer understanding. Um, and, you know, education, for example, has been a bit lacking over a number of years. So consequently, most people have a, a have a generally good understanding, but don't, don't have a really strong understanding of some areas of financial services. And unfortunately, financial services, by its very nature, is generally fairly complicated. There's lots and lots of legislation around it, lots of rules around it. Um, so, uh, so consequently, uh, it's, the FCA's focus has been on the retail sector. Um, having said that, you know there are still regulations around how to, you know, small businesses, for example, can make complaints, um, and they should be dealt with in certain circumstances by the financial ombudsman. There are certain uh, protections there still for small businesses. Um, and of course, when you're dealing with a customer who may be a director of a company as well as an individual, you know, most financial advisors or most fintech organizations, when they're dealing with that individual, will be rec dealing with them perhaps as a as a business owner as and a, and a manufacturer of a, of, of a product, as well as perhaps a, a for the, in their own in their own right. Um, so you talked also about vulnerable customers. Then that's another layer. That's another layer down, and that is the FCA recognizes. Uh, and expects all organizations to identify customers that show some uh, elements of vulnerability and have a policy in place to manage those customers, not only to identify them, but to ensure that those customers are not uh, in any way affected. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so there's a, there is definitely a focus there on uh, the retail sector. Um, and I'm sure we probably don't have time to bring into discussion today, but the consumer duty, which is effectively com coming to effect from July of this year, uh, brings this very, very much more into focus where firms need to ensure that their, their customers, particularly retail customers, of course, that's what it's aimed at, uh, are not do not experience any harm, not subject to any harm. I guess, I guess the difference between retail and wholesale, retail is very much focused on consumer harm. Uh, wholesale is more about harm to the market, so I, I would I would assume so. It's just a different lens, I guess, through which the regulator would would look at the uh, the the opportunity to to cause harm, whether that is to individuals, uh, to financial services, um, or to markets as a whole. Just a slightly different lens. Thank you, and uh, I suppose uh, to to both of you again, given the letter that. Um, the participants in the industry have received. How uh, how do you feel the UK and EU regulators th think things are going right now? In general, regarding the CEO letter, um, I mean, I think, well, I, I, I more than think, I've got a very good sense that particularly in the world of payment services, the regulator is nervous and concerned. Um, they've clearly, uh, with the, you know, accepting ESG for a moment, there are other areas that that letter's highlighted around safeguarding, for example, wind down planning. Um, there, are, there are a number of concerns around the, the um, effectiveness of firm systems and controls. I think this is quite a strong message to all payment services firms who I think in the past, when they were perhaps authorised um, initially, um, maybe weren't scrutinised to the extent that I think the FC is absolutely doing now when they're looking at authorising a firm. 
the bar has most certainly been raised from a, a point of entry um, um, sort of position and and the FCA are absolutely therefore playing that backwards as well and looking um, at those firms that it previously authorised and I and I believe my feeling is just, just dealing with firms on a day-to-day -day basis that the type of or the standard of systems and controls, policies, procedures, et cetera, that firms are likely to have in place are going to be those that they probably went into this with um, when they were first authorised and haven't really looked at them since. And my fear for them would be they're not going to stand up against scrutiny of the FCA now with their, with their higher expectations and raising the bar. So I think this message is really just pointing all of that out um, to to these firms quite quite clearly and strongly. And so, if if you if you look at these the second and third order consequences, um, let let's say you're right. Um, this is going to be a challenging time for fintechs. From a, from a macro point, um, what we've seen is. Banks are running away as fast as they can from the end consumer. And the regulator is raising the bar, not as fast as they can, but, but not far away from it, to serve the consumer. And so we're seeing this um, double axis gap growing where the banks are running away on the vertical axis and the regulator is increasing the bar to serve uh, those those individuals what do you th what do you think is the um what do you is the solution here because surely it, if if you if you follow those to the, um if if you follow that uh, pattern to the nth degree the choice that the customer has is severely harmed over time because the number of new entrants in the market degrades. Um, do you think we might end up with a, a US model where there are technology firms who absorb some of the regulatory capacity of the fintech? I, uh, for example, safeguarding. They, uh, you inbuild the separation of revenues from client money automatically within embedded in your technology. You, you inbuild a workflow that allows you to wind down uh, and give customers access to to their accounts. Should it be the fintechs responsible for building all of that? Because it seems to me that. Not everyone will be able to either understand it or 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 execute, or should there be software aggregators, maybe banking as a service platforms that absorb these challenges, who presumably have the the resources, the expertise, uh, and the headspace to actually take on these challenges. What are your thoughts there? What does what does a, an effective and diverse market look like? It, from a landscape point of view, with all of these headwinds? That's a really good question. I mean, I think there is, a, I guess, a danger, if I was being completely objective about it, that um, regulating, so if a, a business becomes a, um, they're a business that, that, that does compliance first and, and, and their, their business second almost, like that. so the 
you know, become more of a compliance firm that offers payment services rather than a payment services firm that needs to be compliant. Um, and I get, I get your point where that trajectory, if we're continuing that trajectory, like where the heck do we, do we, do we land? And what does that mean for, from a competition perspective? You know, the regulator themselves hold themselves up as being a, a, a body that wants to promote healthy competition. But is there, you know, if you're a new business coming into this sector, um, you know, is it facing into the increasing uh, level of, of of compliance obligations, you know, is that is that going to make you think twice? And what other route, therefore, can you take? And you're right, there are other avenues you can go down to try and help without, because one thing you can't, you can't, um, in a regulated business, you know, remove yourself from your regulatory obligations. And I think everyone who's probably listening to this out there will know. But of course, you know, um, again, just with technology-led uh, environment, I think there are certainly quick wins and ways in which you can reduce the um, the impact on your business from an operational, financial, or other otherwise, just to try and make that process more efficient, more effective, um, and and I guess less less of less of a, a headache. I don't know if I have the answer exactly to your question because I don't have a crystal ball and don't really know how it's going to go. But but that's my my thoughts from June. Thing to add. Yeah, I think just adding to what Lorraine said there, the FCA is absolutely laser focused on innovation. Um, in fact, recently we were helping a client that was setting up a, a robo advice service. Um, and they wanted to do, uh, what they went to the FCA and they said, they'd like to sandbox it. And the FCA said, well, it's not really innovative enough. There's already plenty of those around. So no, the FCA are absolutely focused on innovation. Um, and I think that is a great thing about the UK economy and, and the fintech industry that it is evolving at a tremendously fast pace. Uh, should regulations hold firms back? No, I don't think so. Uh, yes, Lorraine said, you know, there is a lot of regulation. Of course there is. But, you know, we're here to help. We can guide firms through that. Um, and if you think about it, the regulations are there to protect consumers. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a win-win, I think, as far as um, consumers are concerned and, and, and also businesses. I think the other thing I'll just, just to raise is that, again, this is a point raised by the Nikhil uh, uh, Rath, the CEO of the FCA. And she was saying that, you know, um, moving to a low-carbon economy um, and she talked about this shift in, you know, moving towards this UK economy has to be done in what she called it in a just way. And what that means is, and I think this is just, um, you know, sort of a general be, you know, be aware that just because you're attempting to offer something that's, um, you know, fits with the UK's agenda for being carbon neutral and environmentally friendly and meet and ticks the box of social and governance. You've also got to think about what additional risks you're placing on your your consumers as well. Again, this is where we can help to to help with your design of your services, help to make sure that the statements that you're making, for example, are are are, are robust and uh, can be defended. Um, but it is a it's a, I think it's a great it is a great opportunity, and I think it's an area that. Um, you know, we can help with, and it's not just this all, there's an awful lot of really good consultancies out there that can step in and provide some really practical, tangible guidance uh, for, for firms who are struggling with this concept um, and, you know, not necessarily understanding all, all the regulations that, 
that they need to adhere to. Thank you. Um, so you you touched on this a little bit earlier then. Um, just a couple of closing questions for you. Um, how do you start to measure that you're doing what is what is required? Uh, it's as strong as the wording is, uh, it, it, it seems to me that there's a, there's a, 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 a clear gap in the specifications of, of what right is. It's just a, a an intimation that things are currently not right in, 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 in the current model. There's a lot of regulated entities that, that are not ticking the box of either being appropriate with conduct ESG or otherwise. How do you start to measure how you're doing it? And at what, what are the key, what are the key indicators that you're, uh, you're doing it right? I'll just kick off that just initial thoughts, really. Um, you know, I think the first thing is to realize that there's no such thing as a perfect world. And, um, ESG is not by by no means is it perfect. You know the regulators haven't nailed down exactly what you know. How do you define green, for example? You know, there's lots of uh, uncertainties. The, the FCA is introducing um, a labelling, for example, on investment funds. So uh, to for a certain investment fund to be labelled uh, as as you know sustainable, for example, um, it's got to meet certain criteria. So so the regulator is doing a great job at actually pulling together this criteria, and there's an ongoing consultation at the moment, which should finish shortly, uh, which will come out with these la labels that firms will be using on the investment world. So they're trying to sort of codify things. So that's the, that's a positive thing. But I think generally I would say the most important thing I think is just because the problem seems too big and so, too complicated, don't put it to one side and think I'll deal with it later. So start small, be realistic with your approach, no two companies will operate in exactly the same way. So develop your own policy about how you as a business are going to measure your own uh, compliance, if that's the right term to use, your own uh, commitments to environment, environmental subjects, social and governance. And don't forget those, the two, the S and the G, those are critical things, not just the environmental uh, subject, but as Lorraine was saying earlier on about diversity in the on the board, you know things like that, um, inclusion as well. And uh, there's a lot that firms can be doing, and a lot of firms are probably already doing that anyway. So have a policy and start small and and progress that. The other thing I think it's really important to recognise is that you will need to be able to demonstrate through some form of data that you are achieving those things. So de design your data sets. Work out what that is and regularly report to the board on the performance against your your um, what your objectives are. Set yourself some maybe some tolerances uh, about what you want to achieve. Set yourself, as I said, set uh, create a data set. It could be qualitative, it could be quantitative. It doesn't have to be all about numbers, um, but do that routinely. And and as I think as Lorraine was saying earlier on, it's great for staff motivation as well. Not just about your, it's not just about what you sell, 
but it's about your business as a whole and it raises your brand. Your brand as a company, I think it's a great opportunity. Now is definitely the right time. And also, of course, we talked about the FCA wanting action uh, to, to do something about this now. Yeah, I think for sure, for every business, the KPIs, the 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 measures that you'll have in place will, you know, it will be different for every business. There are definitely some things that are measurable, uh, that are more quantitative. You know, we spoke earlier about the um, offsetting, you know, the carbon emissions by 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 a pound, for example, for every X amount spent or planting a tree. Um, there's other things you can measure, like. When we look at the cultural impact of that, your organizational cultural impact in terms of attrition rates, et cetera, um, also you're, you're able to, to measure that the initiatives, the social initiatives, um, the impact of those, you can certainly put some kind of number behind. Certainly, I think the more qualitative measures are harder to, in, in, in every case, when you're looking at measuring performance are always harder to get your head around, but they're not possible. Um, they're definitely indicators net promoter score for example in terms of uh, your customer satisfaction with what you're doing in the ESG space is something else but if you know if you're a big enough company you can maybe call on there's certainly there's certainly things you can do to in, that would give you an indicator of just um how well you are and how the, whether you're you're heading in the right direction uh, th thank you guys this has been super super illuminating for me and um I think um, uh, I think I know what I'd like the uh, the the thumbnail, the tagline for uh, for this episode to be, and I'm I'm stealing it from Nick. Uh, he 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 pointed out it is a big job, but you can deconstruct it into smaller and smaller tasks that deliver value. Uh, now I've often um, in my in my first venture and. Uh, I often see in other ventures compliance can be the elephant in the room, and if you if you take that analogy and and you take what Nick said, uh, you you can turn the elephant into the elephant in the room to elephant carpaccio, uh, slicing off a small sliver of value on a big problem, time after time after time. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and suggest to uh, to the marketing team. Elephant in the room to Elephant Carpaccio, compliant with Thistle. Um, this has been super illuminating, guys. Thank you so much for, for attending. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting us. Indeed. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to the full interview with Lorraine and Nick. We hope you were able to learn all about the FCA's Dear CEO Letter key findings, the role of ESG in fintech, and the role fintechs need to play in protecting consumers and their own reputations. If you liked the episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app, as this is the best way for podcasters to be more visible and attract more guests to provide interesting fintech insights.